and welcome once again to Hispanic Genealogy Finding Your Roots. I am your host, Cynthia Ann, and today we have a very special guest, uh, my third cousin, who I actually met uh, because I did a DNA test, and we were able to match, and so I have him on the line, and I'll bring him in, and we'll have a conversation about how we learn from each other. Hi, Boyd. Hi, Cindy. It's great to have you on. Thank you for doing this. You're very welcome. So basically, um, it's it's interesting because, uh, as I said in my introduction, that we really didn't know each other uh, until we took the DNA test, and we really didn't contact each other until a couple of months ago. Um, right. I'm Part of this whole process of doing this podcast is to help people to understand how uh, genetics, DNA works, and how taking DNA tests can actually help you to connect with uh, your uh, your ancestors and for people that uh, you have never met before, like me and you. And so um, this is how we connect. We connected because of the DNA test that I originally took with Ancestry.com. Um, so here we are. Uh, we connected two months ago, although I had kind of, you know, uh, tried to reach out to you a few years ago, but, you know, things are difficult in life and you weren't able to connect with me until we actually connected on Facebook. And so now we're great friends and I can't wait to introduce you to family members and likewise you introducing me to your family members. So pretty much the way you connect is through my father's mother's line, um, which would be the paternal side. And so uh, my father always spoke about the relatives that she, that they had in LA. I was pretty much from um, central and then northern California and he always talked about his mom's relatives that lived down south and he was always excited about them. He always told me stories about them but for one thing or another we just couldn't connect with the side of the family that belonged to my grandmother until now and that's what makes me so excited um better late than never is right so um tell me a little bit now so since we're talking about my father's mother and you are related to her because my grandmother my father's mother is uh your uh, great, let's see, it would be your great aunt, correct? Because your grandfather was my grandmother's brother. Yes. Yes. So my grandfather, let me see, my grandfather and your grandmother are brother and sister, correct? Right. Rosa, Rosa and Antonia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and really, that's the only recollections that I have or any information that I have. They never spoke of, of, of my grandparents, Antonio and my grandmother, Gabriela. Uh, I don't know anything beyond them yet. It's still at work. It's still a work in progress. So I can speak of my grandfather, Antonio, and I can start there if you like. Yeah, what I really want to know is about him because that's where we connect. And um, exactly. I'm I'm very fascinated because I never knew that side of the family. Hardly any of yeah. us uh, knew that side of the family. My dad separated from his uh, relatives, you know, early in life after coming from Arizona to California, and that separation happened. They went uh, to Central California and then up north, and uh, his um, 
his mother's side of the family just came down here. So um, tell me a little bit about, about Antonio. Do you know much about him? Because I did find some things about him in the record. And I remember talking to you about finding it and matching those, those, uh, that bit of information that I knew about him. Yeah, I'll tell you what I know, and then uh, and then we kind of go from there. Sure. But he was born in 1984 in uh, uh, Bar, California, and he, he passed in 1965. Now, unfortunately, I was only 11 years old when he passed in 1965, so I didn't have a lot of interaction with him uh, when I was younger, other than when he got older and he had dementia. And by that point, the family was taking turns uh, – with him staying at their homes, right? Right. So I, I have collections of him personally of him staying with us, and it was a, it was you know those were the only memories that I have of him as far as any interaction whatsoever. But go, prior to that, I know uh, going back to what I know about my uh, uh, my my grandpa, we called him Papa, so I'll refer to him as Papa because yes. that's what I'm used to. Right. Uh, so uh, what I understand is that they. Uh, all their kids, my grandmother and my grandfather, were all born in uh, Arizona, starting from the oldest, Patricio, in 1906. Uh. So I know they were in Arizona prior to 1906, but I don't know exactly when they actually made it to the Tucson area. Uh, and my understanding was that he was a machinist. Well, I know that he was a machinist for a fact here in Los Angeles. I don't know that he was uh, in Tucson. The hearsay that from the family is that he worked for the railroads there, and maybe he picked up a trade there. I don't know this for okay. a fact. Mm-hmm. I do know that he was a machinist here in uh, Los Angeles because when my mother and father married in 1953, my father apprenticed with him as a machinist. Okay. So my father worked with him for a while as an apprentice machinist, and he obviously was a machinist. So, and they had a weird relationship. I know my father uh, used to joke about it all the time because my, my tata understood English but wouldn't, couldn't speak English. Okay. No, no Spanish. Uh-huh. And my father understood Spanish but he couldn't speak Spanish. So my father would speak in English <laughs> and my grandfather would speak in Spanish and they would communicate this way and they both understood each other perfectly according to my father. picture of him and I really appreciated it too because I'd never seen that side of the family before and my grandmother was always very I'm like you you know but we're about the same age and when I remember my grandmother she was very quiet and very subdued she was already in her I don't know it could have been 60s or 70s and uh, she never spoke about 
anything. She just kind of sat there with her little purse and didn't want to move. And so um, it, we never knew anything about that side of the family at all. And when you, when you sent the picture to me, I was really impressed with the fact that he was a really sharp dresser. Yeah, and, and also, that, now it's funny that you mentioned that, because one of the memories that I do have of my grandfather, they had a house on Rowan Street in East L.A., right, yeah. uh, right off Brooklyn, and he would, they always had a lot of gatherings there at the house. The whole family was really into uh, get, getting together and, you know, find an excuse to get together and have fun. But my grandfather was very quiet also, like you mentioned, and he would stand there uh, on the front porch, I always had a porch in those old houses, with his arms crossed and a shirt and a tie, no jacket, but his fedora on, and, and he would just be studying and uh, not saying anything or not communicating or visiting, just looking over the whole situation. <laughs> and I don't, I believe that he was pleased with it or if he was like policing it, I'm not sure, but <laughs> I do have that vivid memory of him standing there with his arms crossed. And, and he was not a large man in stature, but he uh -huh. stood there with his arms crossed. Like, like he was. <laughs> Just kind so. of surveying the whole situation and being the, uh, you know, the elder statesman. Yeah, he was. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that probably, you know, goes back to the, the uh, traditional type, you know, father being in charge and the boss and the head of the family. Right, uh, exactly. And yeah. It, and that's exactly the posture that, uh, that, that he represented standing there like that, so... But those are the really only memories that I have of, of my uh, of my grandfather. Unfortunately, um, they, there's not a lot. And my grandmother, if I if I can pass, she she passed two weeks before I was born, mm -hmm. and uh, so I really don't have any anything. Uh, that would be than, Gabriela, right? That was pardon me. Uh, the, her uh, her name would have been Gabriela. Yeah, Gabriela. Okay. And we called her my. So, because she was very short, and uh, so that was a nickname. I shouldn't say we because I wasn't around, but that was that's what everybody referred to her as, uh, Manita. Yes. So, and I didn't know much about her. They never spoke much about uh, her personality or, or or what type of person she was. Or uh, I don't. I think she was just a homemaker her home life, which is uh, pretty much you know the way it was back then. Oh sure. Um, so. So I, I really don't know that much about her. So um, I've got notes, if you care, to go down the line with each of my aunts and uncles, my 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 tata and my nanita's children. Right. Uh, yeah, I do want to hear that because that's going to be helpful for uh, any family member that's listening in as well to take notes on that for their own, uh, you know, ancestry research. What I want to say quickly is uh, the uh, the genesis of this family, uh, more or less as far as I can tell, having done research on it myself and having accumulated some documents on that side of the family, uh, originates in Baja California. And um, uh, your grandfather's father and uh, grandfather's mother um, are, are both, they were both born in Baja and have a kind of like a real rooted situation there. Uh, what's interesting before we move on to that is uh, having that story told about what I learned regarding uh, what they did when they were still in Baja California. Um, I had found some documents which I still need to share with you and I will get that to you 
<clears throat> which states, <clears throat> excuse me, that they were sailors. And um, having spoken to you about that, you not having seen these documents, you actually have some kind of an oral tradition about that. Speak a little bit about that. Yes. My daughter, April, uh, recalls a conversation that she had with my aunt, uh, uh, my aunt Gabby, which is Gabriella also, but we called her Gabby. Yes. Um, about the family back back in Baja. And, and she does mention to April about them being sailors. Uh, and that uh, uh, they did a lot of fishing down there, yes. which is, you know, that's part of the culture and that's part of what they do down there. So, but uh, yeah, this is what uh, Aunt Gabby kind of verified with uh, with April that they were in fact uh, uh, sailors. Yes, uh, she it impressed more sailors than fishermen. Uh, so I don't know if that was just because it, uh, at the time it, it was more. It sounds better to be a sailor than a fisherman, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know I, I mean? love that. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, I, However, the documents... Uh-huh, go ahead. Yeah, because uh, I know one thing for sure. That family is proud. This family was very proud. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm also, yeah, I'm trying to verify that as well, um, because as, as a lot of these documents, as you know, when you'll find in the record, um, a lot of them are uh, state official records, some of them are marriage records, some of them are uh, baptism records, and the church is very specific and clear when it uh, designates a particular category of something to that particular person. Uh, this is why Spanish documents are so great, because they're filled with a lot of detail, detail that you wouldn't normally find in a just another document, maybe from here or whatever, um, in a marriage or baptism. Or, they, they actually put things in there to verify that that is what that person did for a living or whatever. So in that sense, it could have been just a fisherman, but I suspect that maybe they may have actually worked as sailors on a ship. And I'm uh, looking yeah. into that as well. Yeah, I, I, I believe uh, that might be the case also. And also, getting back to uh, to them uh, migrating to uh, Tucson, Arizona area, uh, I, we spoke of this before. Uh, it was in the, in the time of the Mexican Revolution and staff, and I'm sure as many were doing, they were fleeing at the same time or, or yeah. trying to go somewhere better. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I assume they're going to try to find a better place to raise a family uh, because their firstborn, my cousin, or excuse me, my uncle Patricio, was born uh, in Arizona in 1906, so, like I mentioned before. So, uh, so I'm sure there were there was a lot to it about them bringing them to be citizens and uh, having a better, uh, maybe better life. Right, exactly. So, and, 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 and I think a lot of that, just, uh, uh, dovetailing on that, and uh, just learning your history, just in general, uh, one of the one of the reasons why I've started this podcast because I really have I get frustrated in talking to Hispanic families who don't really understand that whole process. Well, why did they come here? What was happening in Mexico? That story yeah. gets cut off, and uh, you don't really end up knowing why. There's a there was a lot going on in Mexico, and. Prior to and during and after the Mexican Revolution, there was disruption like most people in the United States have not seen. And this is what caused a lot of migration. Not that they wanted to leave their home country, but that they had to. And there's a big difference. And that, and that to me, for 
myself personally, that makes me even prouder of my family because yes. it does, it takes a lot to leave your home country and exactly. travel that far into an, a place that may be unknown. I mean, there's got to be a lot of unknowns. It may have had some uh, reason in particular. I, I'm assuming family because a lot of uh, other family members on our side hail from from that area. So uh-huh. uh, they're probably all kind of sticking together a little bit, you know? Of course, yeah. They follow each other, yes. Yeah, so. But uh, but anyway, if if you want, I'll move on to my aunts and uncles. Let's try that. Okay. Let's go with the the first one I mentioned already. uh, By Felicio, he was born in 1906. And uh, unfortunately, he died in uh, uh, 1930. So he died at a very young age. Mm -hmm. They never... Yeah, never spoke much about him. My, my only recollection is that they mentioned it was diabetes related. Uh-huh. That's awful young diabetes, but uh, I'm sure there wasn't uh, the kinds of medicines and treatments and right. uh, et cetera that, you know, that there are in this day and age, education, et cetera. But uh, diabetes does run on this line of the family. Yeah. Almost everybody them had it. Almost all of them had it. And my siblings, I have several siblings. There's seven of us. Well, six of us now, but there's there's several. There's four of us. Uh, not myself, but there's four out of the six that are diabetic also. Oh, so I'm sorry, right? That is uh, a family trait that we have. But, yeah. So moving on to him, the next one would be my aunt, my aunt Carmen. She was mm-hmm. born in 1908 and died in 1999. Mm-hmm. She was born deaf. She never oh. heard her whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she one of the sweetest, happiest people. She never married. She just uh, always had a smile on her face and uh, loved to see her sisters dance because I'll get to that a little bit too. But there was a lot of music and a lot of dancing on that side of the family. <laughs> like I mentioned before, there was always time and room for a party. <laughs> it sounds like us, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and I love that part. I inherited that part. My kids have too. And, well, that's a good way to live life. <laughs> right, that's right. Be happy and enjoy. Anyway, she, what I know about her, she was a seamstress all her life, and she worked uh, in the L.A. district uh, after they moved from uh, Tucson to East L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, garment district in Los Angeles and that. And I always remember in their house on Rowan, she always lit, had a uh, commercial sewing machine there. She was always sewing something because she would do... Uh, like subcontract work, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. So she was always been very, like I said, she was always happy and uh, she read lips. Uh, at some point in her life, she learned how to read lips. And, wow, uh, great. So, yeah, so you could, you could pretty much communicate with her. And she didn't know sign language, but she would try to motion uh, whatever she, what she was trying to get across. So, and, uh, and usually we all, you know, we all understood each other, so uh, so that worked. Yeah, that worked out really good. So and and she was like I said, born in nineteen oh eight. So she was the second one. Mm-hmm. And the third one would be my my aunt Rosa, and uh, she was born in nineteen ten and died in nineteen ninety eight. Very very quiet. It just reminded me when you said your mother was very quiet that way. Yes, and and they have the same name. Uh, I thought of my aunt Rosa because she was that way too. She was very conservative, very quiet. I don't know what what was going on in her mind or her brain because 
which he certainly never shared when I was around. Yeah. Uh, very quiet, very reserved. When all the other aunts and uncles were dancing it up and, and joking and kidding and have a good time, uh, I don't even remember cracking a smile. <laughs> <laughs> very conservative. <laughs> It's, it definitely yeah, it sounds like my grandmother. Interestingly enough, before we move on there, um, uh, I had said this in my last podcast for those who are searching their Hispanic ancestors. Uh, this particular aunt of yours has the same name as my grandmother. And it is still, it's not obviously her. It would, be, it would have been her niece. But uh, this is where people get confused because when they go yeah. and they look for the record, they will grab something that looks just like the name of the person without checking. And then you end yeah. up getting very confused. And so yeah. uh, this is just a perfect example that that can happen. So you have to kind of cross-reference that that date. Always look at that date. Make sure that that person is, uh, you know, the person that you're looking for and not someone who's related with the same name. And I started to make the same mistake when we first, when we reconnected again the second time a few months ago, and you had uh, sent me uh, a letter or, or a message, and you mentioned Rosa Leon, or Rosa on your side, excuse me, and, and I got confused there. Yes. And again, she... What's going on here? And trying to, and then obviously we start things a little further and put two and two together, and we were able. But most people that don't know as much as you know, which is a lot, and uh, what little bit I know, probably would be it would be difficult for them to make that connection. And, put it together. and it's only because but, I've been at it for such a long time. But I've I made my mistakes at the very beginning, just like just like you did. Well, I guess let me say before I go further, we sure appreciate everything that you do. Thank I you. Think it's a great, great. And this could be great. So now we also have another example exactly like what you were saying, and that would be Antonio, right? Antonio. That was the next one on my Uncle Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for some reason, I didn't write down uh, what uh, year he was born or what year he died. Oh, well, uh, I, have your, I have your, I have your uh, ancestry uh, uh, site up right now, your tree, and it says he was born okay. in 1913, but there is no, uh, there's no date when he passed yeah. away. Yeah, it, is, it was 1913. And he, uh, I'm going to guess he died in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm. Uh, no, I take it back. I'm sorry. It was like mid-70s. And the reason I know that is because there's pictures of him with us kids uh-huh. on my side. I'd go into the pike in Long Beach. He used to take us to the pike in Long Beach. Oh, and those pictures, he's in the early 70s. So, and he was still healthy then. He also, uh, with the diabetes and all that, uh, oh. uh, eventually that's what... Uh, uh, that's what took him. He didn't take care of himself. He uh, he was a bachelor most of his life that I know of, and he partied. He liked to drink and go to their nightclubs and all this other stuff, and uh, never took care of himself. So he started, you know, his health obviously paid the price for it, but he still continued. He just he lived his life the way he wanted to live, I suppose. But he was the life of the party. He was uh, he really was. He had jokes and. Was cutting up all the time. He cut women's hair. Uh, oh, he did. He did. That's what he did for a living. Oh. So he was a. He was. Oh, he was always, you know, complimenting the women, and uh, <laughs> he he had a beauty shop. Oh wow. On the uh-huh. And uh, I remember going to that shop and him being in there, and just all you could hear was Uncle Tony because he was the one doing all the talking all the time. And uh, standing out in the storefront there and just watching all the characters back then. And this was probably 
in the late 50s or early 60s, all the characters that you would see in, in those days on East uh, now, Winter Boulevard in yeah. L.A. Mm-hmm. And I never met him because there were a lot of uh, uh, World War II veterans that were uh, well, homeless back then. They were homeless mm. just like today. Right. And, uh, well, and yeah. I, I remember this only because I remember one in particular had a uh, had lost a limb, his arm, and yeah. he had uh, one of those wooden arms with the hook. Yeah. And he was a nice guy, I suppose, but he liked to get the kids to hold on to his wooden arm and he'd pick them up, you oh. know? <laughs> yeah. And, and they wouldn't do that, because that just scared the heck out of me. But I say he was a nice guy, Bob, but don't even know what I mean. He knew me, he knew my avatar. But I have a real memory about that guy. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It it also reminds me, too, that he was probably around during the time of the Zoot Suit Riots, and uh, that affected L.A. very much. And it's interesting, when we start to dig back into the past, we're also uh, connecting, through our ancestors, all the historical events that are happening uh, socially, politically in the area. And uh, my dad never spoke about it, but I'm pretty sure that some of the relatives on your side probably experienced that. Um, exactly, and, and they never did either, and I wish that, had I known more then than I do now, I wish I would have asked them, mm-hmm. because obviously that was a terrible time, that was a terrible incident, it was just, everything about it just screams, yes. not good, no. right? and, mm-hmm. uh, and of course it affected uh, the East L.A. community, the Mexican-American community in East mm-hmm. L.A. the most, and so it had to, they, I mean, even if they... They worked proximity-wise. They worked far from any of that. Right. I mean, East LA, the areas where the zoot suit riots happened, if they were ten or fifteen miles apart, mm-hmm. I'd say that's quite a bit. Um, so they would have heard of, uh, about it at least anyway. I mean, they would have definitely heard about it in the newspaper and oh, uh, oh, absolutely. radio. Mm-hmm. It had to be in the, in the on the news and the, in the papers and uh, right. And of course, everybody had opinion. I'm sure, whether they express it or not, uh, uh, who knows at that time, they, they, people might have been afraid to express themselves, but yeah, I, I often wondered that they, they definitely were there in that area at that time, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't believe, I think if there would have been a direct connection, we may have heard of it, but I don't know that for a fact, but there definitely was a, a, a connection indirectly, right. just just. Proximity, right? So, uh, exactly. So that that was something I always wondered about them too, uh, about the Jews and So. And, and the then, whole the whole area to the whole entire excuse me, but the entire experience of of growing up during uh, during World War Two and um, everything that was happening at that time in the forties the. Uh, the Great Depression. I always go back to that because uh, our our direct ancestors experienced that, and what we're going through today. I haven't really even mentioned it in the podcast, but you know we are at this point in time going through a pandemic in the United States, and uh, since this podcast is going to go on for others to hear, this is kind of like a historical. Uh, talk about what's happening even now with uh, so much loss of life and so much loss of jobs 
the economy is uh, teetering, and so we're not sure what's going to result from all of that. But that is history in the making. And so when we look back at our ancestors, we're actually looking back at a period of time that they went through as well. And it, it, it just basically gives us more strength, I think. Because if they went through that, we can go through what we're going through right now. Absolutely. Not only the strength, but the unity. Yes. Uh, definitely should bring more unity, without a doubt. And uh, if it doesn't, you're not paying attention. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> right. Okay. So now we go back to your mom. Your mom is one of. Oh no! Is it no? It's your your uh, aunt. Can I can I go down to the next two aunts before I get to my mom? Okay. Go sure. Ahead. Absolutely. Because I don't have your mom. I don't think no. listed here. Okay. Go ahead. That's because I got my notes this way. Sure. Just, uh, Please do. If that's okay. We still have time. The next, yeah. The next one was my aunt Gabrielle, and we called her Gabby. Uh, she was born in 1919, and she died just a couple of months ago oh. uh, in 2020. She was she lived to be 101 years old. Wow! And and we, some of us anyway, uh, not all of us, because not not all of the family members are, are so interested in this stuff like you and I mm. and, uh, and others. But they, we we kick ourselves in the fanny because we didn't go back and ask some of the questions that we should have asked before yes. we lost her. Mm-hmm. She was sharp as yeah. She was very That's sharp. Amazing. She was very, yeah, she was very witty. She uh, uh, she lived in a facility there in, uh, in Montebello, uh, a senior facility, and she did need some help at the end. But uh, mentally, she was just sharp as a tick. She, uh, she always was. She, she always, she lived, she worked her whole life for the Woolworths Company, the Woolworths Oh, stores. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, she worked there. I'm not sure how young she was when she started, but her whole adult life uh, that we all know of, Aunt Gabby worked at Wolvers. Yeah. And I agree, you know, we have memories of going to the stores and in and around Los Angeles. I don't know if they were downtown or East LA, but uh, uh, and going in with the counters, you know, we had the soda fountains. Right. And all that. <laughs> the counters, I remember so, the counters, uh huh. Yeah. And uh, and Gabby would be there working and come and visit with us for a while, and then uh, I'm sure we we ended up with a, a float or something, and I'm not sure if that was courtesy of Gabby or work, but uh, but then she'd go off to work. So, but she was always sharp. She always and she was a she loved this like my mother. She loved to dance. She loved to sing. The uh, music come on, and they were they were moving. They were just on the move. Yeah, and we always. One of the memories that I have of Aunt Gabby also uh, working at Woolworths is that we always count on for sure, even when we have lean times, and we have lean times back there, because uh, we came from a, my family itself, it was a family of seven, and uh, so it was difficult times that were difficult financially. Always count on Aunt Gabby's uh, stockings from Woolworths. Oh. There were bed stockings, netted stockings, and you might remember these, I'm sure a lot of people won't. But they had peony candies in them and the little small plastic toys. Oh, sure. Know. I remember those. And we could all, we knew for sure, if we weren't getting much for Christmas, we knew for sure we were getting those from Aunt Gabby. So, <laughs> so that's, a, that's a really fun memory I have of my Aunt Gabby. So. That's great. And then one more sister, if you don't, if you don't mind, before nope. I get to my mom, is my Aunt uh, Rosalga, and uh, we called her Chowan. I guess the theme is everybody, for the most part, a lot of these aunts and uncles have their nicknames. Sure. Uh, half of them. But we, for, I'm not sure where Chowla came from, but the name. 
But she was also, uh, she was born in 1921, and I don't, I don't have when she passed. Um, I don't have it in front of me. What he passed, but uh, she, she was already older. She, uh, she was not younger or anything. But she was very studious. She was always very studious. In fact, she, uh, uh, the business she got into, or the trade, or whatever you want to call it, was electronics. Uh, oh. back, then, back then, it was. TVs were just coming out and becoming color TVs and that sort of stuff. So she got into that life. In fact, she taught uh, occasionally, uh, substituted and taught at uh, Long Beach City College. Oh. Uh, her and her husband. And her husband uh, went on to teach at Riverside uh, uh, University in uh, Riverside, California. And uh, they're both uh, they're published in uh, old electronics type books back then. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They did or came up with or whatever. They uh, they worked often together. So, but she played the piano. So back to the musical theme again. Uh, she she played the piano, and uh, and she would sing. And her people, of course, would would gather around the piano and sing with her. They'd sing whatever the old songs were mm-hmm. and uh, and dancing. And she she was in that era. And I remember this very well. Uh, in the early sixties and mid sixties, were there's a lot of these people that were from in and around the Long Beach area for in the airline or not airline the, uh, the, air, the airline industry. Yeah, the aviation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. stuff like Douglas and all that sort of stuff. So these people, they had a lot of friends in that industry, and there were a lot of people that were at her. She was a little more sophisticated, I guess, <laughs> or tried to be anyway. She has uh, her connections, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, these were her cocktail parties. They were called cocktail parties, right? Right. But there was this. If they have the same Mexicans went there and drank beer, and it, it wasn't a cocktail. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it all, it all was fun at the end. It's still know? alcohol. <laughs> That's great, though. <laughs> so, but anyway, now I get back now down to my mom. Right. And my mom was born in 1924. Uh, uh, her first name was? She, pardon me? Her first name my is? Mom's Alice is my mom's first name. Right, okay. Alice. And, or Alicia, uh, right? Or Alicia. And uh, with the kids, the grandkids always referred to her as Grandma Alice. Okay. And she was, she was like a, uh, almost a mini version of Uncle Tony. She was very, very uh, life of a party, uh, happy-go-lucky, just uh, tried not to take, make things too serious unless they had to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, love, I always respected and loved that part of her and my Uncle Tony. And I like to like to think that I try to carry some of that in myself because I think it's a good way to live your life. Um, but she was that way. She uh, um, she obviously had her serious moments, but uh, she tried to keep things as light as possible and uh, and just enjoy life. She was a dancer. Now, she was the real dancer out of all the sisters. Uh, my mom would swing dance with the best of them. Oh, uh, the bunny hops and all that sort of stuff. She knew all those dances and she'd have, when we'd have parties at our house with my mom and dad, she had some friends from back in the day that knew all those dances and uh, and they would dance together. My father wasn't a dancer, so she would watch and dance with some of her friends. And mostly they were female friends, you know, back just dancing with each other, doing all these crazy, crazy uh, dance steps, you know, the crazy kids back then, you know. <laughs> so, a lot of fun. My mother, and the fact that she loved all her children and grandchildren to death. I mean, she was a very, 
Oh, I wish I could have some of those recipes because that's, you know, going back to um, the origins of, of our family. And they took a lot of those recipes and brought them with them. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, my daughter, April, I mentioned earlier, she had contributed in a cookbook, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, last year or two years before. Um, I can't, I don't remember the name of the cookbook, but I'll give it to you later. Oh, good. And, uh, and anyway, she... A lot of, I think it was one of my mother's old recipes. But she, my mom used to babysit my two children, Stephen and April, when uh, when they were small and needed to be at work. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with my mom, and uh, my mom used to cook and show her how to do things. So my daughter's like loves making my mom's tortillas, and my daughter's the one that put it to a recipe because my mother never had a recipe; she would just make things. It was exactly like our family; they didn't write things <laughs> yeah. down too much. <laughs> That sounds so, wonderful. Yeah, you know, like I said, she was a great mother and a, and a grand. And she loved her kids and her grandkids, and uh, she'd dance with them when she was younger. And then when she couldn't <laughs> dance any longer, health reasons, she would put them on her lap and uh, chair dance. Well, we we referred to it as chair dancing. Mm-hmm. So she'd dancing in the chair there with the kids on her lap, and she'd always sing to them. And one of the songs she always sang to them was "Tea for Two. Oh. Um, why that song? I don't know, but my grandkids uh, my. My kids and, uh, and other nieces and nephews had fond memories of that, you know, grandma singing that song to them. So, but uh, I think I've gone down my list here. Uh, Those are great stories, Boyd. And one of the things I wanted to uh, to just tell you was that it, it's brought me a lot of joy just listening to this. I hadn't really even gone over any of this with you before, but it, it brings me joy because it reminds me so much of my dad. My dad yeah. used to love to dance. I mean, that was, he was early in his life. He, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, actually won a few dance contests. He was so good, him and my mother. And uh, what you were describing here uh, on your side of the family really just matches so much of my dad. His personality, uh, the things that he loved, the way he was. And, uh, you know, it's just got to be genetics because um, it's, it's... so connecting uh, the the families together, and um, I mean we've talked about that too. We feel a, a, an affinity that you know just a, speaking to you for the first time was a, like a real connection, and that is because we share, uh, you know, we 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 share our bloodlines, and um, it, yeah. that's what family is all about. And it's it's a shame that we disconnected from uh, this side of the family and didn't grow up knowing them basically because of you know. The, it was distance. It was basically distance. Uh, and at that time, they, well, all they had were telephones, uh, no real connection there. But um, it, it's been fabulous connecting with you again and uh, sharing with me the pictures that you have and your stories. I, I, I want to kind of close with this one great story you had, and it's, it's up to you if you want to share it, but it's a story about the wedding that you were telling me about. It was a baptismal picture. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so uh, 
the story goes that it was this group of people who wanted to uh, to have a, a bap or just get together, right? Right. They were looking for a reason to have a party, is what I understand, what I'm told. Uh, they were looking for an excuse to have a party. And I guess anybody could just have a party by going to Lipstar getting some booze or whatever and chips and turn music on, right? But this, this family had to do something different for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, or our family, I should say. But they decided to have a fake baptismal. Now, we didn't know for years. I've had this picture in my possession for years. And it's a beautiful picture. When I never counted, but I, if you've seen it, so there's got to be at least yes. 20, 30 couples in there. And they're right? all very well dressed. They look like they're going to a they're wedding. They're dressed to the tees. And there's a nurse in the center, front and center, holding a baby. And we never paid attention to it. We just thought it was a, a get-together for something, right? Yes. <laughs> and he said this with one of my older cousins, and he goes, take a look at that picture better and look down at the baby. And lo and behold, the baby was a doll. <laughs> so the story is that they decided they wanted to have a, a get-together where they could all get dressed up and have a nice party. So they, they had a fake that baptismal, had somebody dress up as a nurse and brought in a doll and they, and they took these I don't know how the party went, but I'm assuming it went grand because everybody was really, you see it, they dressed up, they kept the kids to the tees and uh, I have that picture and then I think I shared recently with you uh, a party at, around the tables and stuff where they were, they were standing there uh, at the same party. In fact, that picture, I, if I recall, yes. has Yes, I, I haven't shared it yet, and I will, because I'll probably get a bunch of emails on it, but um, yeah, I, I do have those two, and I just thought that it would be so great to hear from your words what exactly happened, and of course, you were telling me you weren't exactly sure why they couldn't uh, do this without a baptism, but there were no babies, so they, they kind of uh, faked it a little bit. <laughs> I love, I love, I love that, that, that story so much. And, of course, it, it just basically uh, reveals the kind of uh, fun type of people they were, the, the time of, uh, you know, the in, uh, environment that they lived in at the time, and how just uh, how, how, how resourceful they were and uh, curious they were, and they made it work for themselves. And I, I just find that fabulous because I see so much of that in my family. I agree so much that they were enjoying life. <laughs> I don't know how much I've been to say it, but now they, they were found a way to enjoy life even more. <laughs> even more, even more. Well, we're, we're coming yeah. to the end of the podcast here, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to call and um, and get this get this in, Boyd. It's it's, it's wonderful. It's be, it's going to be there for anyone who wants to hear it. And I just want to thank you again. 